Welcome to the author's show of entrepreneurship and regional development podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Paul Ryan from Trinity Business School at Trinity College. He co-authored an article entitled The Role of Multinational Enterprises in the Genesis and Growth of a Resilient Entrepreneurial Ecosystem. His co-authors are Magella Giblin, Giulio Buccioni, and Dieter F. Kogler. This article has been published in the volume 33, issue 1 and 2 of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Paul, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Vincent. Thanks for having me. To start, can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer with such a paper? We've been conducting research on the medical device cluster in the west of Ireland in Galway for almost 20 years now. Uh, we're child prodigies, as you can guess. And um, what we were interested in initially was the origins of a cluster. And that led us to looking at um, foreign direct investment would be quite typical in Ireland. So the origins of the cluster was the attraction by a semi-state agency of two world-renowned um, multinational enterprises um, in medical devices, Boston Scientific and Medtronic to Galway. And then that led us to be interested in what happens post-investment. So we were interested in the evolution of those subsidiaries in Galway and, and further subsidiaries that arrived to Galway in the aftermath of the initial investment. And our tracking of the life cycle of the cluster um, led us to notice that there were very few vertical um, new ventures uh, starting in, in, within the cluster space. And, and this was principally because these multinational enterprises, whilst they tapped into local knowledge and local resources such as, such as labor, etc., and the university research and science, they really had internalized um, global value chains. So, so they were really interested in protecting their own IP. It was, it was critical that they didn't lose valuable um, intellectual property. Uh, and, and therefore, there wasn't much chance of a vertical um, cluster developing there. However, what we did notice was at the horizontal element that over the course of the first 10 years, um, maybe up to 30 multinational enterprises arrived. We then noticed that, that indigenous enterprise started to emerge. And, and, and this exploded. It went to almost 100 new, new enterprises in the space of under a decade. So we, we started investigating these. So, so that, was, that was point one. We, we had a longitudinal study that was ongoing around issues. Then our, our team, um, Julia Bacchuni is an economic geographer with an interest in global value chains. Magella is an economic geographer, international business person with an interest in clusters. My own area is international business and the evolution of multinational enterprises, particularly subsidiaries. And, and Dieter is an expert on patents and, and looking at the technological trajectories, uh, examining them via patents. So the, the, the trigger point was when we came across the concept of entrepreneurial ecosystems. Because cluster theory wasn't explaining to us what was happening in the Galway uh, region. But this view from, from one of the um, co-authors in this special issue, um, Alan O'Connor, 
of entrepreneurial ecosystem is a sense of place with a central focus of attention on the entrepreneur and entrepreneurship led us to investigate now what were the origins of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And then there was another debate that was ongoing in the theory at the time was whether this is really, you know, you know, old wine and new bottles, whether this is just another form of a cluster. And, and, and that led some of the theorists, the early, the early um, developers of theory on entrepreneurial ecosystems to say, no, th this is wildly original. It's agnostic on technology, it's agnostic on industry, etc. But when we looked at the studies that were emerging, which were highly idiosyncratic, many times locational case studies, we, we quickly noticed that many of them were examining clusters, but examining them through the lens of entrepreneurship. So that led us to ask, <clears throat> is there a transition from a mature cluster to a new entrepreneurial ecosystem? Is this the natural progression of clusters to become entrepreneurial ecosystems. And, and two other thoughts then, Vincent, were that one, people had looked at clusters as life cycles. But there's an interesting distinction between a life cycle and an ecosystem. Life connotates death. Decline is an acceptable part of a life cycle. Extinction is almost an acceptable part of it. You can extend life cycles, as we know from standard business theory. But eventually, that is a natural part. Extinction is a failure in an ecosystem. So what you're looking for is not longevity. You're actually looking for resilience. So our second part was not only how, how what are the origins behind um, an entrepreneurial ecosystem? Do they morph out of a cluster? But also, how do they become resilient? What are the transition phases? Is it an adaptive system? Has it life cycle tendencies, um, et cetera? And what role does the multinational enterprise play in this trajectory? Because we looked at the origin, the theory on origins of entrepreneurial ecosystems. We saw it came from many different places, um, state investment, uh, organic, um, numerous other ones, even diaspora in some papers. And so, so, so that was the that was the origins of our thinking around this paper. And what are the main contributions of your paper? Okay, well, the first the first contribution, let's say, centers around the multinational enterprise. <clears throat> the multinational enterprise is can be an incubator of entrepreneurship. So, what did we find? We we, we I said that we found that there was. A, 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 an explosion of horizontal new ventures. So we looked more closely at them and we discovered that originally there would be what we call very similar in terms of technology orientation to that of the multinational enterprises. So the specialism was cardiovascular um, technology, medical technology and medical devices around cardiovascular interventions, heart stents in, in essence. And the first wave of entrepreneurs were, were, were doing stuff around this type of biomedical engineering. But as the years passed, we saw that the new ventures were actually moving into areas of unrelated branch technology, uh, respiratory, ventilator systems, etc., aerosols, and so on. But what they all had in common, and this was almost without exception, was that each of the founders had previously worked in a multinational enterprise. And specifically, two of them. And the two they had worked in 
were those multinational enterprises that themselves had evolved within this system. They had moved from being assembly through design to moving into product development, product innovation, and having centers of excellence for R&D. And it was these labor laboratory um, researchers that became the founders of the new ventures within this entrepreneurial ecosystem. And what they introduced was adaptation into the system. Whereas the multinational cemented specialization because it had a mandate for, for coronary heart stents, the adaptation that provides resilience in the ecosystem came from the spin-outs from the multinational enterprises. That was contribution number one. Contribution number two, clusters, mature clusters can morph into entrepreneurial ecosystems. It's a, it's a further transition. And number three was Darwinian. What, what makes an ecosystem resilient? Extinction is a disaster. <clears throat> Technological obsolescence could lead to extinction. Specializations can be can introduce vulnerabilities. Therefore, what is necessary is adaptation. And the adaptation in an unfair ecosystem driven by multinational enterprises comes from the spin-out firms, from the founders. And what did they gain? They gain knowledge, not just around technology while they're in the multinational enterprise, they learn about business models. They learn about the global connectivity, global pipelines to clinicians, to, to um, medical hospitals around the world with that are that are research intensive and so on. So there's a, there, there's, there's a dynamic between the multinational enterprise and the local uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge in addressing such a question? Much of it was to identify the transition point, <laughs> if that does exist. I, I would almost think of it as an overlap between what, what we would see as the standard cluster and, and what, what really has more of the, um, the dynamics of an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Secondly, was merging copious amounts of data. Uh, we, we, we had interviews with m many of the founders, I think over 50 of the founders, with the support agencies, with members of the multinational enterprise, the research and development area about why people left, how, how they felt about that, um, and then the patent data. And we were trying to weave together a narrative, a story, almost a chronology of, of uh, across temporal brackets, as Anne Langley would suggest for good process studies, um, of, this, of this emergence, formation, transition to resilience of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. <laughs> and we were trying to deliver it in, in the journal articles. That, that, that was quite a challenge. And we hope that what our paper presents is an interesting chronological narrative of evolutionary dynamics. And during your research journey, what was for you the biggest surprise or maybe the most counterintuitive result? Well, we knew that the multinational enterprises were impactful. We started seeing the seeds of, of it, but, but the extent of impact, you know, when, when you look at almost 100 new ventures and, and, and you, you, you start looking behind them as to who were the founders, uh, what were their backgrounds, etc., and you, you, you discover that almost invariably they were from multinational enterprise. And, and actually one of them had spun out, one team had spun out of a university um, spin-off. And we looked at that team and all of them had given up their jobs to take advantage of an opportunity to, to 
move into an incubation centre within the university. So uh, at first sight, it looked like they were a spin-off from the university, but actually before entering the university, they had been working for the multinational enterprise. So even they adhered to our... So, so the extent of incubation in this case, uh, and, and by the way, we don't think that is, is generalizable because one has to look at the extent of evolution of these multinational enterprises. Both of them became centers of excellence for research and development within knowledge intensive multinational enterprises. That meant the people within these labs were a technology Take technology cutting edge frontier every day of their lives. They were seeing opportunities all the time. Not all multinational enterprises reach this level of evolution. And what are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, or practitioners in general? Okay, well, for entrepreneurs, um, working for a multinational enterprise is not a bad thing. There's a lot of learning opportunities in there, uh, not just around technology also organizational skills, but for us, more importantly, learning the business model. This might be the missing piece in, in academia, that being inside a multinational enterprise puts you, you right up to the coalface of the business model. Um, for, for, practitioner, for policy, very importantly in Ireland, where there's a lot of challenges against, you know, the, the continued attraction of multinational enterprise here, especially around tax implications and, and, and that we, we would say, well, there are many advantages to bringing multinationals in, especially if they're technology intensive. They don't just bring new technology and create higher value added jobs within your, your economy, but they can be the incubators of entrepreneurship. Now, this is going to lead to some future research dilemmas for us. Um, not, all, not all multinational enterprises want to be incubators. In fact, there's, there's, there's a competition for talent between them and, and maybe new ventures, and, and, and some of them may actually squeeze entrepreneurship out. But that's not our story in this paper. Our story in this paper is one of incubation. So policymakers have to look at how building up the knowledge stock within the locale of an entrepreneurial ecosystem can add to the opportunity for further entrepreneurship uh, within within that, um, because the multinational taps into the knowledge stock, it hoovers up uh, graduates, it puts them in research labs, it teaches them business models, it gives them managerial skills, it gives them the tools of entrepreneurship, and it's all by due to the quality of the knowledge stock there, and allowing the multinationals also to have a role in shaping the stock. So, so they, they with government maybe decide what type of investment in research in the universities have, what type of research centers have. Okay, thanks Paul for participating to our show and share with us this uh, original paper with this very peculiar lens to the ecosystem, entrepreneurial ecosystem and its uh, growth and, uh, and development uh, with uh, the participation of multinational enterprises. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-erd.com and on the main podcast platform.